Hello everybody, welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. It's time for another episode. I am your host, my name is Stephanie Bree, and it's Friday, another Friday podcast. I work on Saturdays now, so I won't be able to do the podcasts on Saturdays anymore. So here I am. I got an interesting show today. I've got a few topics. Some of them are newsy. Some of them are just musings. Couple of them. Excuse me. Couple of them are kind of depressing, but we'll see how things turn out. Uh, I want to start, like I always do, with what's new in my world. Um, not a whole lot going on. I did a video on how I got into professional wrestling, so you can definitely check that out. It's on the YouTube. Um, oh, I haven't been doing videos like I used to, but like I said, I only do videos when I feel like it or I feel like I have something to say. So, you know, I've been keeping up with the podcast and that's where I've been getting my, the podcast and writing in my blog. My blog is stephaniebree.com, that's B-R-I for Bree. You should know that if you're listening to this podcast, The Stephanie Bree Show. <laughs> Anyways, let's get on with the podcast. So topics this week include the election results, G4 shutting down, the TurboGrafx-16 turns 35, Batman actor died, Is retro game collecting bad? Will Nintendo Switch ever die? What comes after the Switch? D&D Memories, how I got into the game. Are horror TV shows worth it? Is Twitter doomed? What's next? And my worst drinks. Last week I did my best drinks. So this week I thought I would do some drinks that I don't like. Just for fun. What a... I'm going to start off with the election results. And I'm going to say things aren't all that good, but they could have been worse. I live in Texas, so things didn't go how I had expected here. I canvassed for the Beto O'Rourke campaign. And, of course, I voted for O'Rourke. And he lost, as expected. But I still did my best. I did my part. We still don't know what the balance of power looks like in the Congress yet. Um, it might be a few more weeks before we have an idea. We have at least one runoff election that won't be settled until December. So that'll take a while still. <sighs> and if you can't tell, I'm yawning. I had my caffeine today, but I don't think it was enough. And I don't have any more for the time being. So I'm stuck with the yawning, unfortunately. All right, let's see if I can get my blood flowing a little bit. 
Maybe I can stop yawning if I can wake up. Let's start by talking about G4 shutting down. So G4 was a TV network that was has a complicated history. I won't go into it, but it was about video games. And it shut down a few years ago because the internet has replaced uh, cable TV for new gaming news. People get their gaming news on, online now. They get it from places like Rooster Teeth, Inside Gaming, uh, G4, or not G4, IGN, Giant Bomb, places like that. Nintendo Life, you know, Kotaku, GameSpot. There's other places you can get news online, and that's what most people do. Most people don't watch G4. And apparently, they were only getting about a thousand viewers a day on the cable network. That's not a lot. It shut down just barely a year after it came back. So it lasted just barely a year, which isn't very long. It's not very long at all. Honestly, it lasted longer than I thought it would. I'm surprised they even tried to bring it back. They uh, didn't handle it well. I talked about it a couple months ago when I checked it out and I was like, yeah, this doesn't look like it's gonna last long. And unfortunately, for those who worked there at least, it didn't. TurboGrafx-16 turns 35. So the TurboGrafx-16 is a game console that competed in the 8 and 16-bit era against the NES and the Sega Genesis. Not so much the Super Nintendo, because by the time the Super Nintendo came out, the TurboGrafx was already dead. So it didn't really compete with Super Nintendo. But it did compete with the Genesis, which helped kill it, and the NES, which helped prevent it from taking off. So, I remember when I was a kid, I wanted a TurboGrafx-16. I had an NES. I had an Atari. But, you know me. I want the best there is. I remember telling my parents that I wanted one because it was 16-bit. And they said no because I couldn't explain to them what 16-bit was. and Or why I needed a new system when I had the Nintendo. It wasn't until a few years later I was able to convince them to buy me a Sega Genesis for my birthday. Now, by the time I got the Sega, I had no more interest in Turbo Graphics. I'd already forgotten about it. So the system had 94 games released for it in the U.S. And it, it sold about 10 million units worldwide. But that's not, not how many it sold in the U.S. It didn't exist in Europe. It was Japan and U.S. only. And the system barely made a dent. It was, it was a... Drop in the bucket. No one remembers it. Most people have already forgotten about it. The biggest game that I can think of that came out on the system was Bonk's Adventure. Now Bonk's Adventure also came out on the NES, so some people know it from that. Also, it's been re-released on PlayStation consoles and Xbox consoles and Nintendo consoles. You can play Bonk's Adventure on modern systems. So that's the only way people know about it or how to people get to experience it. One thing that was unique about the TurboGrafx-16 is it used cards, little like credit card sized cards to hold games instead of cartridges, which was different. And this was before CD, even though it did have a CD add-on. The CD add-on was very expensive 
and didn't really add anything to it. The games were nothing to write home about. And that's the problem with the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, despite a couple of hidden gems here and there, most of the console library sucks. I've played all of the games on the system one way or another, through emulation or through uh, virtual console. And I can tell you with certainty, they, 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 they suck. There's just not a lot of good games. There's a, there's a few shooters, but they're re pretty repetitive. And you have to really be a fan of shooters, which, you know, it's not like I'm not a fan of shooters. I like them. I like some of them. But if that's all your system has, that's not enough. And the Genesis had more shooters, and it had better shooters. So I would rather play the shooters on the Genesis than the ones on the TurboGrafx. So to me, it never made sense why people would prop it up as, oh, the best console for shooters, when it was like, no, the Genesis was the best console for shooters. I had some of them. They were great games. Loads of fun. There were 21 console shooters released for the TurboGrafx-16. There were 54 released for the Sega Genesis. That's a big difference. Sega Genesis had a lot more shooters. It had a lot more games all the way around. So, if you're going to tell me the Turbo Graphics is the system for shooters, I'm going to tell you you're missing out on the Genesis. And that's just all I have to say about it. Turbo Graphics 16 is one of those forgotten systems that is forgotten for a reason. The only reason why I'm talking about it is because I wanted one when I was a kid. And, you know, it was on my mind recently. And it turned 35 years old. 35 years ago this year, the system came out. That's crazy. Well, I'm 40 years old, so that tells me everybody. Everything's getting older. Time doesn't stop for nobody. It just keeps marching on. The only way time does stop for us is when we pass away. And that's what happened to the Batman voice actor from the animated series. He died today. And so I thought I would talk about it. I thought I'd talk about my memories of the Batman the animated series. I got into it when it was new. I watched the pilot when it was a primetime special. I remember being excited for it. My parents were into it. I watched Batman, the animated series, with my parents. It was a cartoon they could get into. So that was rare. Sure, they would sit down with us and watch Scooby-Doo or cartoons from their childhood that they were trying to get us into. But this was different. This was one of those rare instances where they actually liked it themselves and I I guess it's kind of sad that the voice actor he's he's dead now I don't know what other work he's done I don't keep up with actors but I just thought I'd talk about it a little bit do you have any memories of the Batman the animated series I remember buying some of the toys and reading the comics Batman the animated series comics I never watched any of the movies though. I mean, not the animated movies, like Mask of the Phantasm or the other ones. I never watched any of them. I don't know. I guess I don't know what else to say. Is retro gaming bad? Well, retro collecting, I should say. Is retro game collecting bad? 
Now hear me out. Retro game collecting is a special type of collecting. It's a market that exists and people buy and sell games and game prices fluctuate but for the most part they're quite expensive. People like to collect full sets, they like to collect fun games, they like to have physical copies. But I think it's bad. I think retro game collecting as a whole is kind of bad. And the reason why I think that is because it costs so much money and it causes so much derision and division and, and strife. So many people are screwed over in the retro game collecting market. There, there's really no ethical way to buy and sell games when you think about it because the whole point is to buy low and sell high. And if prices are already high and you're buying games to sell, you're just driving up the prices. Plus, hardware is getting old. It's wearing out. needs repairs. Things, things don't last forever. The games don't last forever. A lot of times, people take a risk, and then they have to spend extra money getting their games and their systems refurbished. I think the way to go is emulation. You know... The only thing I've ever heard people complain about, oh, they like to support the game community, but you're not supporting the game community with retro game sales either. You're supporting resellers. That's all you're doing. Basically, you're propping up, if you really want to get down to it, you're propping up scalpers, and that's bad. And that's why we have such a problem with the new games getting scalped all the time because the retro game market is so popular people know there's money in video games so they scalp and that's what they do so I'm against retro game collecting I used to be a retro game collector and I, I found out that it was just costing me money I was spending more money on physical games when I could just emulate you could buy a good emulation machine it has retro style controllers and you can play the games on a modern TV. You can upscale in HD. You can make them look better with effects. There's a lot of stuff you can do. You can use filters to make them look cleaner and crisper. There's a lot of stuff you can do you can't do on old systems. And those game consoles were made to run on CRT televisions. Those things are bad for the environment and they're bad for they're just bad all the way around. So hoarding, people have to hoard those old TVs, which again introduces scalpers into the market. And they're old and unreliable, so you have to spend a lot of money on repairs. Keeping those old TVs going is expensive. And they're just bad. Bad all the way around. I can't think of any good argument for retro game collecting other than nostalgia. And that's not a very good argument. I can list a whole bunch of things that people can get nostalgic for that are bad. Just ask a confederate what their favorite nostalgia topic is. And I'll tell you right there how bad they are. Will the Nintendo Switch ever die? And if so, what comes next? Eventually, Nintendo's going to replace the Switch. I, I really do believe that. The system seems like it's just going stronger than ever. 
So the general consensus is Nintendo's going to replace it with a Super Switch or something similar. Switch 2 or Switch Pro, something like that. I think I'm going to buck conventional wisdom. I don't think they are going to do another Switch. I think the next system is going to be a full-on tablet that you can connect to your TV and it has detachable controllers, kind of like the Switch, but it'll be a more dedicated tablet. It'll have more tablet features. It'll probably have a better app store. It won't be a game, it won't be a computer tablet. It won't have productivity apps or anything like that. So don't expect it to replace your Galaxy or your iPad. But it will probably be more of a tablet than the Switch itself. I think the touchscreen will be more important than the touchscreen on the Switch. That's just that's just my take. D&D memories. Well, how did I get into Dungeons and Dragons? I was 11 years old and I had a friend introduce me to the game. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to play a fantasy game and I said sure. He invited me over to his house and he started telling a story and I asked him what is he doing and he said we're playing the game and he told me what my character was and he told me when I ask you questions you just answer the questions and I was like okay and so he would tell the story and then he would ask me what my character would do and I would tell him what my character would do and then he would tell me more of the story and I thought this was really neat and then he introduced me to the dice and the books and we started playing at school with my friends and I had a lot of fun. I got hooked on it right away. I begged my parents to buy me my own dice and I begged them to buy me my own books. They were against it because they said it was satanic, but I begged them anyways. I said, it's not satanic, you guys have to trust me. So they bought me the second edition player's handbook. My dad took me to the bookstore and he bought it for me. It was $20 at the time which was expensive for a book. And he bought me a set of dice and he said, you better, you better get the most out of this. And I did. I still have my second edition player's handbook. Not the original one that I had from a kid, but I have a second edition player's handbook. I bought it second hand a few years ago. Now today I have all five, or excuse all three fifth edition books the main books, the core books, and I have tons of dice. My parents bought me the 5th edition rules for Christmas a couple years ago when they first came out. I was very excited for that. They had gotten over their hang-ups, apparently. I played, I remember buying 1st edition books one summer. I found them at a thrift store and I begged my grandma to buy them for me. And she's like, don't you already have those books? And I was like, not these ones. So she did. She bought me the first edition player's handbook, the first edition monster manual, and a couple of the uh, modules. Oh, I was so excited to have modules to play, even though I had nobody to play with. I met a friend who I introduced the game to, a couple of friends I introduced the game to, in uh, Jackpot, Nevada. And I remember getting them into it. And we would play whenever we had time. I, I always enjoyed introducing new people to the game. And I got the 3rd edition books when 3rd edition came out. Uh, I bought the 3.5 edition books actually. 
I missed, I skipped fourth edition. I, I downloaded the PDFs. I didn't actually buy the books. I downloaded the PDFs and I kind of skimmed through everything and decided it wasn't for me, so I didn't invest in it. I play tested fifth edition when it was in the beta and I was excited for it. I couldn't wait for it to come out. So that's my experiences with Dungeons and Dragons. I've introduced a lot of people to the game over the years and I've role played with a lot of people over the years. And I've made a lot of friends and I've had a lot of fun. It's a very exciting game. Are horror TV shows worth it? I love horror movies. I love reading horror stories, books, scary stories. I love it. And I love horror video games. Well, some of them. More horror themed than anything. But I just love the horror vibes. Anything horror. But I don't like horror TV shows for some reason. Oh, sure, I got into Buffy, and I watched The X-Files. But I've always had a hard time getting into TV shows. I think part of it is they're scaled down for TV. So they're less gory, they're less intense, they're less violent. And sometimes they can be scary, you know. I remember watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, and I thought some of those were scary. But I, I've never really got into horror TV shows. I tried to watch American Horror Story. I gave it a couple of times. I gave it a try. I just can't get into it. I think part of it is a TV show is too long. Even an anthology series. It's just too much it's too too much effort to get de in, dedicated to a TV show. It requires too much it just requires too much commitment from me. I think they're great. And I think there's a lot of good ones out there. I just would rather watch a 90-minute movie myself. Just give me a self-contained movie and I'm good to go. I don't need a long, drawn-out, 13-episode horror movie or TV show. I tried to get into The Walking Dead. I watched the first three seasons and I thought, yeah, that was really good. But then the fourth season, I lost interest. By season five, I couldn't stand the show anymore. I was done watching. It changed too much. It wasn't the same show anymore. And it was dragging. Now they're on like what season 10 or something like that. It's just dragging on and on and I can't stand it. And that's the problem with TV shows. If it's successful, they just keep going. I don't mind them if they make sequels to a movie because it's like, you know, yeah, they keep going too. And it's like I can watch the new movie. I have a whole year in between, sometimes two or three years in between movies. So it's like I have time to watch a movie and then let it settle. With a TV show, it's like if you're waiting for the new episodes to come out, you're constantly watching new episodes, it feels like it just drags on forever and ever. I don't like TV shows that much. I especially don't like TV shows that drag. And most horror shows drag. Alright, is Twitter doomed? Well, at first it looked like people were overblowing the, you know, Twitter's downfall when Elon Musk took over because he was making a lot of changes that people didn't like. And a lot of people didn't like him, so they were leaving the platform anyways. And at first, my thought was, well, it'll survive. Well, today, Elon Musk came out and said that, well, bankruptcy might be on the table. 
that makes me change my whole perspective on Twitter. Now I'm not so sure if it's going to be around. If it goes away, what happens next? I remember MySpace, and I switched from MySpace to Facebook, and I, I'm not going back to Facebook. And there is no going back to MySpace. So, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what comes next. I use Twitter too much. I didn't think Twitter was too big to fail. I just thought that at this point it was too big of a staple. You know, it's a part of our culture. But bigger things have failed before it, so I guess not. We'll see. If it does if it does go away, I guess I'll leave it alone. I don't know what I'll do. Probably go back to Facebook, I guess. I've had a lot of success with Twitter in the past. I'm just sure not what to think. I don't know idea what's going to happen with Twitter. All right, that's enough of that. What about what last week I talked about my favorite drinks. And I listed off some of my favorite sodas and and fruit drinks that I like to drink. So this week I want to pick out my worst, my least favorite drinks. These are the worst drinks. These are the ones I can't stand. I'm going to start off with Pepsi. Pepsi is so gross. I can't stand Pepsi. I can't stand any of the flavors of Pepsi. I can't stand Diet Pepsi. Just Pepsi. It, it's terrible. I can drink Coke. I won't drink flavored Cokes, and I can't drink Diet Coke. But I can drink Coke. I also don't like Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is so gross. It's like drinking syrup. It doesn't really have a taste. And then there's seltzers or sparkling water. Oh, this is so disgusting. There's probably nothing I hate worse than a sparkling water or a seltzer. I can't even stand to drink Sprite or 7-Up because it's too much like a seltzer. That includes Sierra Mist. I can't drink any of that stuff. Sure, I can drink Mountain Dew, Squirt. Even Mellow Yellow, if, you know, push comes to shove, I can drink Surge. But those are citrus-flavored drinks. They're not just seltzers. All right, that's all I have for the show. It's a little short today, 26 minutes thereabouts. So thanks for listening. Stay cool.